John chapter 11, if you are there, it should be behind me somewhere at some point. If not, open your phones, open your iPads, open your Bibles, if you still have paper. You ready? Here we go. Now there was a certain man, a certain man, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary, it was that Mary, that Mary, who had anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and had wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. And Jesus heard that and said that the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And Jesus loved Martha. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. That makes no sense. Just, just for a second. Jesus loved them. And when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews have sought, have sought to stone you. And are you going there again? And Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? And if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And then these things he, he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I must go to wake him up. Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I have to go to make him wake up. And his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he's getting well. However, Jesus spoke of his death but they thought he was speaking about rest and sleep. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Therefore, let us go now. And Thomas, who is also called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we can die with him. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you not only for what you're going to do, but we thank you for everything you've done here. Father, we thank you that we tonight can hear the call of your spirit that is calling us to wake up. We thank you there is an awareness, an alertness. There is something sounding in the midst of us that causes us to awaken to your purpose and your plan. And so, Father, we thank you tonight that you would unveil your word to us like never before. And I ask, Holy Spirit, help me and help your people, that together we would be better than when we came in. Unveil your truth and cause us to be changed forever for your name's sake. And we all said, amen. I had, um, I've had different places and different times in life that you go through different struggles or different tragedies or different obstacles. We've all lived long enough to know that life has ups and downs. It has goods and bad days. It has good things, seasons, it feels like, and some seasons that you are just marching and trudging through. 
been in a season in the last bit where I have had to help take care of my mother as her health is declining. And after a particularly rough night um, that I had had with her, and let me say this, with all respect and love, I love the ability that I can do for her. All the time she bathed me, she washed me, she took care of me. It is not a duty, it is an honor to be able to give back. And I don't say that, but it is a hard thing also, and it's a hard season. And I had a, I had a night that was just, it was just extremely difficult conversations, things that we were dealing with, all the rest. But I have an aunt who has been there through all of my growing up, not biologically related, but because we came, moved up from South Texas to Washington, it was not allowed to call people by their first name, but we were too close to call them Mr. or Mrs. So my next door neighbor who helped raise us was my aunt. And so Aunt Marilyn has been kind of a rock in our lives all through our lives from the time I can remember she was a part of it. We laughed that I might be more her kid than my mom's kid because I cook like her. Every cupboard open, there's, there's stuff everywhere. It looks like a whirlwind went through, but the food is really good. My mom is the kind who would clean up after herself. My mom was the kind of mom who had, and I'm not dogging this, it's just this was my mom. My mom had days, every day of the week had a purpose. Monday was the day you vacuumed. Tuesday was the day you changed your bed sheets. Wednesday was the day that you dusted. And every day had a chore. And it's really sad that I'm almost 50 and I still know what days were what jobs. But... To say the least, my aunt was like, hey, when it gets done, it gets done. We're just going to try to keep moving along. And so I gravitated more to her style of life and her ability to lead. But I also loved her because she had a really real, has a really real relationship with God. And when I grew up, that wasn't something that I had always seen genuinely by everyone around me. And so... It was a night I was driving back, and part of the, 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 with my mom is it's about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes, probably an hour and a half if I really want the right speed. But anyway, I can make it in an hour and 10. But it, it's, it's one of those things, I've got time on the road. And I'm coming back, and I knew I had had to miss church that night, and I knew Joey was in service, and I just was feeling really overwhelmed. And I called my aunt. And, and she answered the phone, and it's not like we talk that often at this point in our lives, although she was there at the birth of every one of those children. And so she's that kind of person that you can pick it up at any point, any time, and it comes back. And so I called her, and she answered the phone. She goes, Meredith? And she goes, is everything okay, honey? And I thought I'm fine till that point. I thought I'm frustrated and tired. She said my name and asked if I was okay. Next thing I know, I am bawling, like pull the car over bawling. And I'm like, I just can't do this. I don't know how. And just, just lost my mind for a minute. And I'm like, you have to help me figure this out. So she took the next five minutes, because no conversation with her is longer than five minutes. And she took the next five minutes and said, this is where you're at. You are now the parent. You're going to have to just walk through this. And it's not a popularity thing. She might hate you, but she really does love you. 
And I said, oh, okay. She goes, honey, it's going to be okay. I'm here, whatever you need. And then she hangs up. That's just how she does life. And so, <laughs> but there was something about her when I, I picked up the phone. You know how those days where everything's okay and then the right person calls? And all of a sudden, you can lose your mind and didn't even know you were close to losing your mind. And so it was at that moment, though, that I had to say, you know, I need help. My daughter still, we, we, you all need to pray for her. She's 27, and she will still call me when she gets hurt because she is sure that her husband doesn't know the right thing to tell her to do for the cut she had on her hand. I kid you not, this was so bad. She had cut her finger, it was bleeding everywhere, and he says, just go put a Band-Aid on it, right? Put, disinfect it, Whatever. And she calls me hysterical because it's still mom. And listen, I'm not playing into it. I, I don't need her to be dependent, but I like the fact that she likes to call me a little bit. And so we're in this thing, but there's something about knowing where you can get help when you need help. There's something about knowing who you can connect to when you need to connect. There's something about knowing those places that when you are, feel like you are out there by yourself and nobody else knows or cares or has an inkling about what you're going through, that there is somebody that can pick up the phone, put their arm around you, look at you and look past you. And then all of a sudden you go, I'm, I, I might not be okay. And it's okay to not always be okay. Can I, can I help you here for a minute? Because we spend so much time trying to put it all right, trying to get it all together, trying to lose the weight, get the spanks on, get the pants on, get the stuff together, get the right jeans, the right pants, the right shoes, the right stuff. And then at some point you just get like, I don't care. Not that I still care, but you don't care. And you just go, it just doesn't, I cannot hold everything together. But before you get to the breaking point, there's something about being able to say, hey, I need help. I need somebody to help me. It might have been my prayer this morning when Pastor Kathy said, you want to take tonight? And I'm like, help me, Jesus. Help me. But there's something about knowing where to go. I just want to walk you through the story, and I hope you get something great out of it. And if you don't, we got tomorrow morning. But watch this. <laughs> I'm not offended. Um, I might slightly be, but I'll have to get over it. So th there's something about understanding this. I just want a couple things. You have to understand the timing of God. The timing of God is not our timing. I got a lot of amens, but like no standing ovation, like, woo! The timing of God is not our timing. There's something about hitting certain mile markers. And let me tell you this, if you are under 35, you got time. Quit, quit freaking out about stuff. If you're under 50, I got time. I fell in that really fun group last night that, that wasn't standing in either group. And I'm like, wow. Let's pray for the 40-year-olds. Anyway, 
I'm like, this is great. Anyway, um, but, 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 but there's something about understanding. You got time. And the older you get, the more you realize you got time. And then you also realize, I don't have time. I, I have time. I had time when I was younger, but what I do now matters. And everything I've got has to be intentional because the time I have left is really significant about making sure that I leave a legacy for those people you saw up on that screen. I hope I can leave something in you. But if I don't ever leave anything in you, you better bet that my responsibility is to leave something in them and to leave a path for them that makes it better and makes it easier and makes them not have to go through the stuff I went through because nobody had taught me. And so at some point, though, you realize that there is this place where your timing is not God's timing. JP, our last kid that we got, preg- that we got pregnant with, I got pregnant with, but, but, but it wasn't, God got me in a worship service. It is the sneakiest, most unethical thing I can ever believe God would do. It's a worship service. I'm bawling. I know where I'm standing. I can still see it in my head. And he says, Meredith, can I use your womb? And I'm like, yes, Lord. Anything you want. I give you everything. And then I have morning sickness. And I'm like, I have no insurance. We live in a trailer. How is this? This is not my timing. Not what I wanted. Had nothing. We'd just gone full-time ministry. We probably didn't do any of this right. None, none of it right. We're first generation. So we had to pave the way into a whole lot of things that nobody had given for us. And so we're stepping out in faith and we're walking on water and we're doing crazy stuff. And I'm in a place that I'm thinking, I already have three kids, a husband, and two people living on couches because everybody comes and lives with the pastors. And so we have a house full of people and a single wide trailer with one bathroom and now we're bringing a baby home can you feel my pain for a minute and I'm like God this is not when I wanted it he said I didn't ask you when you wanted it I asked you if I could do it and so we watched the process of it and what God has done in him and through him And we watch the things that happen. I'm like, I could have never done it any other way. But what I did not understand then that I can see better now is that God was working something bigger than what I knew. Hebrews says it this way. He says, by faith we understand that our worlds are framed. Our worlds are framed by the word of God. So that the things that are seen were not made of things which do appear. Otherwise, God will frame our world with his word. And he creates the picture that is bigger than what we see. Put it this way. You are a piece of the puzzle. You're a pixel in the larger frame of it. And what all you have the ability to see is that little area around you not knowing that everything God is doing is setting up something so much bigger. The purposes of God 
You have to understand this, that the purposes of God are greater than what your plan is, what your agenda is, what your idea for your life is. The purposes of God are something far greater than anything else. And that, listen, Jesus says in this scripture when he's talking to the disciples, and he says to them, because they all know how much that Lazarus is his dude. Lazarus is his, when he needs a place just to get away that's where he goes and that's his homeboy that's who he hangs out with when everybody is done and the healing services are over and he's drained all that he's got to give out he goes to Lazarus's house and so they know that this is a big deal and he's like what he goes I love them I love this family. I love everything about them. It's not like it's the first time he's been to their house. He's been there before when, and he's been in their presence before. He's hung out with them. He's been there where Mary will sit at his feet and learn and Martha gets mad because she's not helping in the kitchen. The scripture actually reads it this way. I believe it's in Luke 10, but it talks about that, that, that Martha, it's Martha's house and she gets mad because Mary is sitting there not helping her, meaning that she had to be the older sister. Mary was the younger sister. She's like, she needs to get up and go work. I'm the baby. I could milk a situation better than any of my sisters could ever handle. I was able to get out of more things through the grace of my mouth and my youth that got me through, it got me out of doing more jobs or chores or stuff around them. And thank God they can't hear this tonight because then I'd have to deal with them knowing that I know. But the bottom line is Mary's in that position. She's, she's the one who's sitting there. And the big deal about it, ladies, was that women couldn't sit and be taught. Women were, were not given the privilege of learning like we're learning. Like this weekend where we sit and we learn and we commune together and we talk together. Women didn't get that. Women were told, your job is to do this and this. And when Jesus said, hey, Martha, you got to get over yourself. Your sister actually has chosen the better part. The fact was he was affirming her right as a woman to learn and her, and her ability to be taught by a rabbi and to be educated and and brought up into a greater place. So these guys have listened and learned and been. And when the disciples say, hey, we got to go now. This winter at Christmas break, we had a, 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 a period of time where JP was going through some stuff and he, he had woke up on Christmas Eve and had Bell's palsy at 15, 16 years old. It, it's been traumatic for him. He wakes up and, and then he, his friends are going snowboarding that weekend and both Joey and I kind of, we, ah, had that check like maybe you should just wait. But because of all the other stuff, we were moved by, you know what, maybe he just needs to go have some fun and relax and get the stress out of all the rest of this and was going with responsible, anyway, all of it. I'll tell you what, I will never not listen to that check again. It was about 6.30 in the morning, I get a phone call. And it's that phone call 
Mom, mom, it's okay. Don't get mad. Mom, I'm okay. I, I'm okay, but the paramedics are on their way. And, and I am pulled out of sleep. They've hit black ice on a, on a snowy, not one of those mornings. They hit black ice as they came up a hill and the elevation changed, rolled a truck three times, busted out all the windows, and not, one, not more than a scratch on any one of those boys. And it was one of those seasons that I just said, God, thank you for keeping and protecting my baby. Thank you that the same kid you spoke life into my womb, you also had the ability to protect and keep. But at the same time as a mom, I go, hey, JP, you got to know this. Your timing is no longer your timing. Your timing has to be according to what your dad and I think. And next time, if the no was no, it's no. So watch this, because they're pushing on Jesus. We got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And it's clear that he's disturbed. Did I tell you that they happen to live in Bethany? Bethany is only two miles outside of Jerusalem. And Bethany, the city, the name of that city, means the house of misery. Bethany was actually the city where they sent the sick and they sent those who were affirmed. And they sent those who needed to be. And so it was actually that kind of place where everybody in there kind of had some issues. And so here he is. Lazarus, Martha, Mary, living in misery. And he gets sick. And Jesus says, nah, it's okay. He's just sleeping. This isn't what you think it is. He's just asleep. He goes, we'll go when the time is right. And the disciples go, he's asleep. It means you must be, it must be, everything must be okay. He must be resting. He's getting better. And Jesus has to turn around and say, no, this isn't even about Lazarus. This is about the glory of God being revealed. And what you don't get is you think we got to go now. Jesus sits for two more days. Listen, I don't like it when he doesn't hurry up. Because I have prayed some of my best hurry up prayers in the last few years. God, I need you to hurry up. Some of you, it's hurry up and bring me a husband. Hurry up and bring me some money. Hurry up and bring me a breakthrough. Hurry up, Jesus. Nobody? You've been there and said, God, I, I got to get this. I just don't, my eggs are expiring. You got to hurry. And all of a sudden, Jesus waits a couple of days and says, okay, let's go now. Can you imagine how frustrated Thomas so wraps up the whole sentiment of all of it, like, let's go die. He's going back to they want to kill him there anyway, and now we're going back, and now it's been long enough. They got to know he's coming, so let's just go with him. We can go die with him, I, although I didn't see anybody dying with him anyway. But he's like, let's just, this, is a, this is a no end situation. And here's the amazing thing is God knows so much better than we do what is happening. Romans talks about it this way. It talks about, for we know that all things work together for the good. 
And we love that scripture until we have to live it out. We know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. That somehow he takes all the messy parts of your life and all the stuff you've been through and mixes it all together and causes something so beautiful to come out of it that everything you've been through, from the divorce to the bankruptcy to the hours you've cried, none of it was wasted. Not a single bit of it was ever taken for for granted. God will take everything. He'll take the good stuff, your promotions, your schooling. He'll take all the great stuff you've been through and somehow he wraps it all together and causes it to work together for your purpose but it is so hard to see it when you're in the middle of it when you're stuck in the middle of that situation it is so hard to see Jesus if you would have been here Martha's the first one to get to him. The scripture goes on and reads, and let me paraphrase it for a minute. She comes and she finds out he's finally there. They have put him in the tomb. It's been four days. It is so far past any window of opportunity. It is past anything they could make happen. The fever, the days they waited, all the stuff they went through, and now, now you show up? And Martha is mad. She's frustrated. And she says, I know, I know that you are the resurrection and the life. And I know that one day he'll rise again. I know that you are the ability to wake up. Resurrection, to wake up, to stand up. And she says, I know that's who you are. But you missed it. He's already been sealed up. The stone is there. His body is wrapped. It is so far gone. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever been there. And you think there's no more possibility. There's no way to get through this. And she is so frustrated. And the conversation ends with her going back to the house. And she goes and looks at Mary and says, he wants you. Never asked for her. But it's like, here we go, tag team. You go tell him how he messed this up. You go tell him that if he just would have been here. The difference is, by the time Mary gets to him, Martha comes and she stands in front of him and she is frustrated. He never rebukes her for it. He just corrects her. You don't get it. It's not when, it's who I am. It's not an event, it's what I am. It's not just something that will happen. It's who, the essence of who I am. You're looking for an event, Martha. I'm telling you, I am that event. And she's saying, no, 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 I need it on the calendar. I need my eye calendar, my Google calendar. I need my schedule all synced together because it already happened. And he's like, you don't get it. And she's mad. But by the time Mary gets there, she says the exact same thing to him. Rabbi, Master, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would still be alive. The difference is Martha stands there mad. Mary falls to her knees. 
And it says she came before him and she worshiped him. And in that position, she pours out her heart and her frustration. She pours out everything she has. Ladies, let me help you. Because a pseudo-Christian thing that says that we have to be so perfect and have it all together, that we can't ever have a bad day, have a bad place, have a bad thing. Listen, that thing is so stupid. And if that offends you, get over it because it is absolutely ridiculous. And here's the other part of it. You don't just get to act any old way you want in front of the face of God anytime you want and think that you are equal to him. But God can handle your complaint. If you would ever learn to do it from your knees, he will listen to what you are going through. It is not about you being equal to him, telling him how to fix it. It's about getting in a posture of worship and pouring it out and saying, God, I'm so conflicted because I sat there. Mary sat there. She listened to him when he taught. She listened to him when he revealed who he was. When he began to break open Isaiah and he broke open the prophets of old and revealed the mysteries that were. And Mary sat there. She heard it. She took it. She received it. But now she goes, when I needed you, where were you? Why couldn't you be here? Because if you just could have done this, there's no man now to provide for us. There's no head in our household. We've lost our covering. We've lost our security. Yeah, it's our brother, but he was, he was, in society, he would have had the ability to take care of them. She's like, we, we lost it. And all we did was ask you to show up. We just asked you to get here. We just asked you to please answer your cell phone. <laughs> just please. Like the fifth time it rings, can you please quit hitting ignore? Can you please quit turning it off? Because now, not only did you not show up and everybody's asking why you weren't here, but now, now we have the dilemma of we've already buried him. We've already spent the money. We, we, we wrapped him and we embalmed him and we did all that had to be done and we put the garments on him and we put him in the stone and put him in the tomb and put him with a stone. She's crying from the pain of her disappointment and the pain of where she's been through. And Jesus looks around. He goes, take me to where he is. And he looks at the crowd coming because the crowd, the crowd's not okay. The crowd's going, oh, look at Jesus loved him. And the, the scripture says that he groaned within himself. That word for groan is like an angry grunt. It's that, and I don't think it's because they weren't getting it. I think it's because he knew the price this was going to pay. And he says, take me to him. And the process, they get there, and we all know the famous scripture, Jesus wept. That was my favorite memory verse growing up. 
really was. Jesus wept like a man. He stood there and wept for his friend, wept for the family, wept for the circumstances. I believe he wept for the fact that, Mary, I've spent all this time with you and you still don't understand. Martha, I get it, because you're busy. And somebody's got to get the food cooked. Somebody's got to do it. But Mary, Mary, you sat here. You've been here. You've learned something. At least I thought you did. I think the tears were tears so multifaceted. And he stood there, and then he tells them something. Go ahead and roll away the stone. And in the process of it, and I'm not far from closing, so don't check your watches again for a little bit. (laughs) He tells them to go ahead and move the stone out of the way. Can I tell you something, church? That as long as you have the stone As long as you are wrapped up and laid behind the stone, the letter of the law will kill. And the stone there represents that. It represents the letter of it. It represents, it takes you all the way back to the Old Testament. But it takes you to a place where, but the Spirit, the Word of God says, but the Spirit giveth life. And you have to understand that this is not about your do's and don'ts. You should keep your skirts down. You should live right. You should live holy. You should live in a way that is pleasing unto God. You should guard your mouth, and you shouldn't gossip, and you shouldn't talk about people, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain, and you shouldn't do all this, the things that the Bible talks to us about, the character that should be developed in us as we grow up. But I'm telling you something. Sometimes when you've had a bad day and you've messed up, why is it you think God hears that more than God hears your worship? You have no problem believing that the Holy Spirit heard you say that cuss word. But you have a hard time thinking God heard your worship when you were here in church. You have an easier time believing that God is keeping account of all your wrongs and all the things you need to do better because somewhere you got in your head that if I am good enough for God, God will do it for me. Baby, you will never be good enough. Just settle the fact once and for all. That's what the blood is for. That's what his mercy is for. That's what his grace is for. That's what his goodness is for. You can't do this. If you could have done it, you didn't need a savior. Why do you think you are good enough to earn your own salvation? Come on, church. Somebody has to say something in here because it is a place where we have to understand that God is not keeping account of your wrongs. His mercies are not new every year. They're not new when he feels like it. They're not new when you deserve it. The scripture says his mercies are new. His mercies are new. His mercies are new. His mercies are new new every morning.
means when you wake up, there's new mercy. That means when you got up today, there was new mercy. That means tomorrow, there's new mercy. Ah, maybe you never needed it. I need his mercy. I need his grace. And you can't get his grace if you don't get his mercy. I know, I know my DNA test said I'm 99.2% white. But I'm gonna try to preach this thing as best I can. A little something in there. I'll take every bit of it I can get. Because I didn't call myself to this. I didn't think it'd be a good idea to be a preacher. I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher. Thank God I didn't. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Your ways are so much better than mine. Sometimes I think pastoring is like, anyway, just kidding. Those are the Washington people. That's just a Washington problem. Right, Jackie? You've been there. So anyway, listen, he's behind the stone. And before anything can happen, anything changes. Jesus says to him, hey, um, go ahead and roll that stone away. Some of you tonight, Jesus is rolling away the stone that you have kept the account of all your wrongs. Because you've been locked behind the remembrance of the things of your past. And no matter what happens around you, you couldn't get up if you wanted to. But tonight, tonight the word is of the Lord is we got to roll that thing away so they go ahead and roll it away and I don't know who's there but they got to be freaking out like what is he doing Martha's back by now she's like Jesus Jesus he stinketh listen I got three boys they all play football there is no smell like a football locker room or your car when they leave their gear in it. I'll fight with any mom in here. There is no worse smell in the whole world than football pads. It like seeps into there and does not for generations. And then they leave it in my car and I'm like, oh, Nobody's riding in my car again, ever. I don't care. Walk, take the transit, do something. But they're worried. Martha's worried. Martha is worried about the smell, the impression. He's dead. You don't get it. He smells. This is a stinky, smelly, gross situation. And Jesus stands there. We sang it tonight. Jesus stands there unmoved 
because he knows the timing better than they do. We would have had him there when he got the fever. We would have had him there when they first called the doctor in. We would have had him there because believe me, your baby's sick. You're like, you, you call your mama, you do WebMD, you have Googled every symptom, you have figured it out, and then you say, Jesus, help. And they're at this place and he waited and by the time he got there he's already in the tomb and it seems so late in the process and all of a sudden Jesus stands on the edge of that place looking at the tomb that's in front of him and he says Lazarus wake up Lazarus wake up Lazarus! Get up! And the next thing you know, and right about here, he stops. Lazarus, first version of the mummy all wrapped up in rags, burial cloths. Jesus turns to the people there and says, go ahead and unwrap him. Go ahead and take him off. Go ahead, loose him. See, we want God to loose us. What you don't understand is when God calls, we have to respond. And when we respond, then it is about the community of believers we are plugged in with that are part of the loosing process of our lives. Where they come and Pastor Meredith pulls on the rag and Pastor Phil can pull on this side and Jackie can pull here and Pastor Kathy can pull there and Bishop will pull and you will find out that all of a sudden, all that that was tangled up around you all of a sudden you're standing here free watch this because you need to understand this Lazarus name means God is my help they thought the help of God died when everything went south, they thought the help of God had been locked up behind the law and the legalism they had known. It was not accessible, but it is one call, one voice, one beckoning from the King of Kings, who is the resurrection and the life, who stands in front of you and says, hey, help of God, awaken within midst of the people I just real quick because as much as I love all of that of the story here's the other part of it is from that moment on the end of the chapter I want you to see this verse 49 then Caiaphas the high priest that year said to them you all know nothing at all nor do you consider what is expedient for us that one man should die for the nation 
up to that point, they had wanted to stone him, which had they have stoned him or thrown him over a cliff or all the other things they had tried, there would have been no acquittal for you and me. Jesus knew what nobody else knew, that he had to wait till Lazarus died so that he could show up and do the seemingly impossible because it would change the hearts of the religious people. And instead now of stoning him, they plotted to kill him. And Passover is coming. And they're like, we have to arrest him. And we will crucify him. It was that moment, that time, that place in history that changed how Jesus would die. And Jesus, I believe, did not just weep and did not just groan because of his friends. But he groaned because the weight of our sin was falling upon him even then he knew the choices he was making would change the direction and put him in place to do what the father had sent him to do which was to become the sacrifice of all ages that you and I could live you don't get it you don't get it you don't get it because we read the story and we think it's about Lazarus and we think he let them down and then we think he did a miracle just to show off his power it was all a setup for something bigger than what anybody could see happening and it takes you back to the first statement he made to the disciples this isn't about that but that the glory of God could be revealed church I came here tonight to say some of you have had some dead stuff some of you have felt like the help of God is locked up and inaccessible some of you have felt like things were unmovable and untouchable in your life some of you thought God did you just simply forget me do you know my name I would have never known they were going to sing that song. I would have never listened. But the fact of the matter is God orchestrated things tonight. And I don't know why I'm here. And I don't know why you have to sit there and listen to me. Except for that I know God has put a word in my mouth for you that says he knows your name. He is not late. He has not forgotten you. He has not overlooked you. You are not insignificant. You are not stuck. You are not who people have said you are. You are not worthless. You are not hopeless. You are not depressed. You are not oppressed. You are not forgotten. But God knows you. sisters is bigger than anything you could have ever known and what you think was God forgetting you was God setting you up for something so much greater than what you could have ever understood